There's a passage of Scripture well known to all of us. It's a part of that great narrative of the birth of our Savior, recorded in Luke chapter 2. This is a part of it, starting at verse 8, if you'd like to follow with me in your Bible. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from him into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Father, we thank you for your word, for its, his, for its correct history, for its accuracy, for its veracity, and for this narrative that we've read about simple men hearing and responding to the message of Jesus. Lead us by your Holy Spirit as we declare and elucidate your word for those who will receive it. And may there be receptive hearts and open minds in all of this time that we share your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. It was a beautiful nightly scene across the rolling, spreading hills of the area around Bethlehem. The place was known for sheep flocks and shepherds. It was commonplace to see them spread out across the plains and into the foothills. And on this particular night, they sat together, warming themselves by a small fire, listening to the blading of the sheep and the mewing of the lambs. It was just a normal, pleasant, appealing night for the shepherds as they went through their routine and responsibilities of taking care of the sheep. And as they sat there talking about the events of the day, discussing the ordinary affairs, the effects of life, they were suddenly shocked and surprised when a great flood of light came upon them. And at first they did not know what it was to the extent that they were very afraid. Some translation says they were terrified because they had no idea what was happening. And then, in the midst of that great flash of light, 
there appeared someone in the form of a man who began to speak to them. And at first, they didn't know any more about him than did about that supernatural light. But the first thing the angel said to them was, do not be afraid. This is not something to fear. This is something in which to rejoice. And then he said to them, I bring you good news of great joy for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, in Bethlehem, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You'll find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, in a trough, in a stable, lying in a manger. And then, almost instantly, a great flood added to that which was already there. And the shepherds looked up and saw a host of angels. They had been there all along, but they had not yet seen them. Now the time of God's revelation. The angels joined with a chorus in what the angel representative had said to them. And they all began to sing, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men with whom he is pleased. And the angels all together brought together brought a great message of rejoicing, a sound of declaration, a proclamation that everything on earth had changed in that night. The change came about with the birth of one baby who his parents called Jesus, born that night in a stable, laid first in his, his first crib was a manger from which the animals ate their straw and their food. What an inconspicuous place. What a, what a below, below ordinary place that he was born. And yet, that birth was accompanied by an angelic chorus, magnified many times over by the power of the Holy Spirit, declaring to those shepherds on the hillside, how many of them we don't know, but declaring to them that Jesus, their Messiah, has been born in the city of David, Bethlehem, which was nearby to them, because they were in the same region, according to the Bible. And then when all of that happened, and the angels departed, the shepherds were there to absorb what God had said. And as they debated it with each other, what should we do? The consensus became, let us go into Bethlehem and find this baby and see this thing which the Lord has told us has come to pass. And that they did. They went into the city, into the village of Bethlehem. They searched by asking questions. The word came to them a baby had been born in this stable over here. They went over there and they saw the baby just as the angel had told them they would, wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. And they recognized that the word that God had spoken to them was true. They had experienced a miracle and they were looking at their Savior because the angel said, unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, who is the Messiah. It was a miraculous event, a miraculous message 
And the shepherds, it would seem, might have been the most unexpected ones to receive that message. They were humble men, ordinary men, not rich men. Shepherds were certainly those who shepherded for others were not known to be wealthy people. And these shepherds were no different. They were just ordinary people, much like you and I. If you work at Publix or if you work at Winn-Dixie or if you work at the gas station or if you work in an office or if you teach school, wherever you might have your occupation, it's an ordinary place to you. It was an ordinary place where those shepherds were on the hillside that night. God doesn't have to have you in any special place, and you don't have to be any special person in the standing of life to receive a message from God. In fact, I would say to you that every person should have at least one miraculous encounter with God in his lifetime. How many of you have had that encounter with him? I have too. I have had in my lifetime, perhaps more than one, but one stands out above all the others, miraculous encounter with God. So powerful, so distinct, so beyond expectations, so different from anything I'd ever experienced before that I have never forgotten it in all these years, though it was long ago. I look back on it numbers of times. I dwell on it. When the enemy tries to tell me, no, you've been mistaken all this time. You're just a sinner lost with no chance for heaven because you don't deserve it. I never try to argue with him saying I deserve it. That's not a, that's not a quarrel I want to have with him or anybody else. But what I do say is this, you can't convince me. You can't make me believe that, Satan. Because I still remember. My memory is like it happened yesterday. That's the power of God. I still remember that August night, that hot August night, that sweaty August night. I still remember it. When a man preached a message from the Bible that I didn't know or understand. But when he said, if you want to be saved, if you want to really know Jesus in your life, this is the time. It's your time. And I knew at that moment it was my time. I got up and rushed and stumbled my way into a little old prayer room. I've shown you pictures of that very place right here on these screens. I fell down before God, and all I knew was I needed God. I didn't know how to be saved. I didn't understand repentance. I didn't understand adoption. I didn't understand confessing with the mouth, believing with the heart. I didn't understand any of that, but God saved me anyway. And you don't have to understand very much. You can just be a simple shepherd or as simple as anybody else or even simpler than anybody else. You don't have to know much to have a personal, miraculous encounter with God. And once you start that path, you may have many other encounters with Him because God never leaves those stranded that He picks up and brings into His salvation. He continues to witness, to speak, to declare himself, and make himself known to those who decide to walk with him. I'm so glad I didn't know any more than I did. I learned. I started learning right away because I started going to church. The more I went to church, the more I learned. The more I 
learned the more I went to church. You say, Pastor, you're just drumming up church attendance now. No, I'm not. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to tell you how to, once you get it, how to stick to it, how to hold on to it, how to not let it go, how not to lose touch with the miraculous once you've had that miraculous touch in your life. Because some of you have had that miraculous touch and you've just about lost touch with it. You just about lost the memory of it. But I want to tell you that God will renew it. God's not short on the angels to bring a message. God's not short on the flash of light. God's not short on the revelation of himself. He can make himself known today as much so and as powerfully and as personally as he ever has been able to do it. So if they had got me, if, if they had got me, they didn't get me in time. The enemy didn't get me in time. After God got hold of my life, and I got up and walked away that night, I decided I wanted to walk home. I just wanted to be with my, just by myself and with the Lord. And in walking home those many blocks that I walked home alone that night, God spoke things to my heart. I don't know that I clearly understood them or believed them as hearing from God, but I just knew there were certain things that I needed to do differently. There were things I needed to change in my life. And I knew that God had given me the power to do it. So I started making a change in my life. And when I did, the more I did that, the more I made the change in my life that God had helped me and given me the grace to do, the stronger I got in Him, the closer I became to Him, the more I wanted to be with Him and around His people and among those people who who had the experience that I had, who believed what I believed. And and I'm glad I didn't go to talk to anybody about it, especially people who didn't know. I'm glad I didn't go to my teachers at school tell them what had happened. Because if I had told them about that revelation, just like if the shepherds had gone finding people to ask questions about that miraculous demonstration they had seen, they might never have got to Bethlehem. Because if they went and found a psychiatrist and told them what happened, he would have just said, well, you're having hallucinations. If they had gone to a lawyer, he would have said, well, you need to be careful about the liability. That may be copyright, and you start telling it, and yeah, they'll sue you. And going to a doctor, he could, have, he could very well have said to them, well, the days of miracles are in the past. That must have been just something in your mind. A lot of preachers they would have gone to. They would have said, well, that was for another day. That was back in the days of Abraham. That's not for now. I hear preachers saying that all the time. Not in those words, but it's the same thing. But they found a businessman. He might have said, well, did you get a video of it? Maybe we can market that. Or or there are are a lot of professors. They wouldn't have been anywhere near, but if they had found one somewhere and had asked the professor about it, he would have said, well, that's why we tried to get you in college, so we could get you rid of all those foolish superstitions and tell you the truth. And then the time he was calling it truth, he was talking about a lie. But they didn't go to anybody else. They said, let us get up and go and see this thing which the Lord has brought to pass. Let's not 
get up and find out what the world says about this. Let's don't get an interpretation for somebody who doesn't know anything about it. Let's go see what God said. And if we go see what God said, we'll find the truth. And that's what they did. They marched to Bethlehem. They found the stable. They went and found the baby in a manger. They said, here he is, just like the angels from God told us it would be. And when you get up and walk with God and nobody else, you listen to God. I'm not telling, I'm not saying don't take instruction. I'm not saying don't take understanding. There are a lot of people that can help you. But if you go to the wrong people, you get the wrong advice. You go to the wrong people, you get the wrong counsel. You've got to find people who know God and know what God is saying, hear what God is saying, and then do what God told you to do. And that will lead you to miraculous encounters in your life. All the naysayers all around. Oh, they're all naysayers everywhere you go. Even find a few of them in church. God, I believe, welcomes them, but I believe they were sent there by the devil. Not anybody here, of course. But there's always faith dampeners around. There's always somebody to give you an explanation of why that couldn't be God, what you heard couldn't be from God. There's always faith disqualifiers. Well, who are you? To receive a message from God. There are always those, 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 those faith deniers who say, well, you need to go back and spend a whole lot more time in prayer on that. That's probably just wrong. God wouldn't speak to you. But they didn't do that. You know who they talked to? After talking to God, they talked to each other. Because they all had the same experience. They'd all heard the angels sing. They'd all seen the light. They'd all heard the chorus of the angels. So they talked to people who believed, like they believed, who saw what they had seen, who heard what they had heard, who knew what they knew, and they reinforced each other. And friend, if that isn't a testimony of the need for Christian fellowship, I don't know where there is one. It's time for us to talk to each other about the grace of God. It's time for us to speak to each other about the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. It's time for us to share with each other the power of the blood of Jesus. It's time for us to magnify and lift up the grace of God. It's time for us to say, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, Jesus is Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So if you want to reinforce your faith, talk to people of faith. If you want to reinforce your doubts, talk to doubters. I can tell you where to find some. I won't, but I can tell you where to find some. I'd rather tell you where to find believers. You want to reinforce your faith, stand in front of a believer and declare the glory of God in your life and let him tell you back the same thing in his life. To just reinforce what God is doing. Don't look around for excuses on why God doesn't answer prayer. You don't have to make excuses for him. He doesn't need any excuses made for him. When you believe and I believe, God answers prayer. I'm going to preach it. I'm going to proclaim it. I'm going to declare it because I know that it's true. His word says it and it's true. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I'm going to shout for everybody. Nobody else shout. I'm going to shout for you. Now listen, here's another thing about these shepherds and the angels. That is what I'm preaching. Yeah, that's what I'm preaching. I knew that, I'm just saying. Here's another thing about the preacher, I mean the angels and the shepherds. Every message from God in your life, you 
deserves a response. When God speaks to you, he deserves an answer from you. God declares a truth in your life, and he deserves your response to that truth in your life. So if you've come to Jesus, and you surrendered your life to him, and God's been speaking to you about certain things, and you haven't done them, you're not sure you want to do them, God deserves a response. You're not going to hide it from him anyway. You might as well say, Lord, I want to take those steps with you. Or, no, Lord, I know that's right, but I've just decided not going to do it. I've changed my mind since I went to the altar. And I believe there are people that do that. But it's more honorable than pretending you're going to believe God and do something God tells you to do and then not do it. Every message from God deserves a response. This is what the shepherd said. When they were deciding what to do after all that had happened, and then it had faded away, the angels had gone, and the light had gone, they said to each other as they discussed what they had seen and heard, let us go and see. We're going to go see what God said and believe that it's true. If what the angels have declared as the message of God, we'll find a baby in Bethlehem. So they left following what they knew God had spoken through the angelic chorus. And when they got to Bethlehem, they were led to find that baby, that one baby. I don't know how many babies were born that night. It doesn't matter. There was one baby born that night in the economy of God. There was one son of God, one child of God, one son of the promise, one who was going to be the Messiah of Israel and the Savior of the world. And they found him because they listened to what God told them. When you listen to what God tells you, do what God tells you, you will find him too. The shepherd said, let us go see. So you need to respond to the message of God. The angel said to them, he is your Savior. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. A Savior who is Messiah. I'm a Savior who is Christ. I'm a Savior who is the Son of God as promised in the Old Testament prophets that you learned about as you went to your synagogue schools. You shepherds know this. You may not be scholars of the prophecies, but you know about them because they've been taught to you. And now you're seeing a fulfillment of God's word. They chose to believe that and respond to go see what the Lord said to them. And so when they found him, the Bible doesn't say very much about what happened when the shepherds came into the, into the stable and found the baby lying in a manger. When the wise men came, it says they fell down and worshipped him and gave him gifts. It doesn't really tell what the shepherds did, but I know what they did. Because the men who had traveled from the east were not Hebrews, didn't have the knowledge that these shepherds did. These shepherds knew what it meant when the angel said, A Savior is born, who is Christ the Lord. They knew what that meant. So when they stood there at the manger, looking down at the baby, they had to remember, here, we thought Messiah was going to come with a jewel-encrusted crown, sitting on the throne, ruling over the nation of Israel. But the angel said, this baby is the Messiah. And because the angel said it, we believe it. We'll adjust our belief to what the Word of God to us says. And here is this one who is our Messiah. 
Here's the one that I've read is called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of his government, there shall be no end. They knew that was the one. They looked at him and they had to have somehow this in mind. They were shepherds after all. And they didn't see what they would have expected, what anyone would have expected. As he grew up, he was not what anyone expected the Messiah to be. So some of them were touched in their hearts and came to the realization of the truth. Many of them were. But he was a surprise to everyone who was looking for Messiah to come in a different form and a different way and to come with a different message. But these shepherds, knowing their background, knowing their experience, they, may, they must have looked at him, that little baby lying in the manger, and thought to themselves, well, he's like a little lamb lying there. I've seen little lambs come from the ewes, from the female sheep. I've held them in my hands. And he's not much more than one of those little lambs lying there in swaddling clothes in this manger. And they were right. He was the Lamb of God. They, the first ones to realize it, the first ones to be able to acknowledge it, here he is, the Lamb of God. They might not have known it at that time, but he was the Lamb of God slain from the very foundation of the world. From the beginning of the message of God the Father to mankind, he was the Lamb slain before that was ever declared, slain from the foundation of the world. Later on, when John the Baptist saw him coming on his way to be baptized, nobody else had ever said it, put it in words that we know of, well, when John Baptist saw him, he looked at him and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So here he was. Shortly after this, great men would come traveling from the east with expensive gifts to give to him. They would come and bow down at his bedside as he had been moved to a home. And they would worship him. And they worshiped him not as a lamb, but as a king. And both of them were right. The shepherds saw a lamb. The wise men saw a king. The lamb who becomes a king, who rules forever over all of the economy of God as the king of kings and the Lord of lords because he came as a lamb to sacrifice himself for the sins of the world. God told the wise man he's a king. God told the shepherd he's a lamb. And both of them were right. It's amazing to look at the difference between those two, let's just call them categories of men. The men who traveled from the east had to be wealthy men because of the gifts they brought because of the long journey they made, which was an expensive journey. There weren't just three of them, if there were three, however many there were. They had a retinue with them. They had to have protection. So there was a large contingent of them. The emphasis was on the wise men because they were the ones who heard the message and followed it and came to see the Savior and the King. So they were great, rich men. And here are the shepherds over here on this side, just little humble shepherds, eating their porridge and trying to have enough lamb stew, 
if you will, for the next meal, humble shepherds, elevated wise men. But you know it makes no difference to God. You don't have to be great to know God. You don't have to be poor and unknown to know him either. Because God has a message for every single person. And there are no exceptions to the message of God. It's for everybody here. God's message is for every person here. A long time ago, I read a story. I have no idea where it came from. I wish you could tell you, but I don't. I just remember the essence of the story, and it is this. In a church in Washington, D.C., many years ago, the pastor came to the conclusion of his message and invited everyone who needed to know Jesus Christ to commit themselves to him to come and stand at the altar for prayer. Earlier in the service, a very distinguished man had come in. People looked at him and noticed him, and the word began to spread around. That's everyone knew him. And they spread the word. This is the president's newly appointed cabinet member. I can't tell you which position it was. But it was so much so that people knew him. And they saw him standing there, amazed that a man of that stature had come to the altar at the pastor's invitation. But then to their consternation and dismay, somebody else got up from the back of the church who had been sitting there totally unnoticed, and he started shuffling down the aisle. He was poorly dressed, not very clean, unkempt. He walked in, and as he walked down to the aisle, nobody could get there fast enough to stand between him and the government official or didn't think of it quickly enough, so he walked down to the altar and stood right there beside this government official and everybody in the church was just like you and I would have been oh no oh no he's going to think that's the kind of church we are it didn't matter to him of course he was there to receive Jesus but the pastor saw the reaction in the crowd and understood what was going on he might have had a little touch of it himself he looked and understood what was going on and he said to them my friends listen the ground is level at the foot of the cross. And it is, my friend. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. Whether you're a poor shepherd or a great wise man, whether you have a lot or have a little, whether you know a lot or know little, whether you're a highly educated professional person or whether you barely know how to have enough skills to make a living, whether you've got an IQ of 150 or just an IQ of 50, ground is level at the foot of the cross. And Jesus invites everybody. The shepherds came gladly, joyfully, because they heard the message of God delivered by the angels. The wise men came gladly, joyfully, because they had a revelation that the Spirit of the Lord showed them was to lead them to the King of Israel, the King of the Jews. That was the star that they followed. God may speak to us in all different kinds of ways. He may speak to you in a way that nobody else has ever expressed that he's spoken to them. Or he may speak to you just like he does seem to almost everybody else, but I'm going to tell you today, right now, it doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is that you understand every single person in this world is invited to come to Jesus. Jesus was born. He suffered and died. He rose again from the dead is at the right hand of the Father interceding for every single person, for every single one of us right here this morning. That's who Jesus is. 
And today, as always, the ground is leveled at the foot of the cross. Please bow your heads in prayer with me. I'm going to say something this morning that it may seem a little out of conformity with you.